0: Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew. I'm Jake. And I'm Jacob. And today we're doing Bionicle, the movie, Mask of Light.
1: This is Throw Jake a Bone episode. Like me, Jake. Not that Jake.
0: Yeah, that's the only reason why we're doing this. I don't know much about these robot Legos that much.
1: Every once in a while, we stop watching their movies, and they say, Jacob, you can pick the movie. (laughs) And I wake up from my comatose slumber that I'm normally in. And I say, well, let's watch a Bionicle movie. It took 15 commentaries, but Jacob finally got to pick one.
2: You could have picked one this entire time.
1: All I know is I got the schedule. And I was like, well, these sound like movies that the other two picked. <laughs> Let me throw one in.
2: You can, we can still change things. It's
1: not too late. It's not... I know. That's why we're doing this one.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, Jacob, why don't you go a little into the background of Bionicle? And
1: well, Bionicle this? was a toy line of action figures created by Lego in the early 2000s. The initial line lasted from 2001 to 2010. It was a line of constructible robot action figures, and believe it or not, it actually saved the Lego company from bankruptcy, the the Lego company was in dire financial straits in the late 90s, early 2000s, and essentially the only line that was really profitable was the Star Wars line they introduced in 1999. But that cost a lot in licensing, and so they ended up introducing this line, and this was enormously popular and successful in its day, especially the peak 2001 to 2003. And this was the movie that came out sort of at the height of the line's popularity and now nobody remembers it apparently
0: yeah well it's a very interesting first all i have to say to that is um that was a sound effect that i just played over that they could not hear that i really hope does not get us flagged but it is this clip from the simpsons so now you know the context
1: well that's very creative yeah um no but it
0: is interesting and yeah i didn't know that lego was in that dire of straits but yeah i mean it it really is crazy to think that they've gone from you know just random generic
1: play sets to now being oh Oh. real quick so greg wiseman who is a very famous like card he did like gargoyles right
2: greg Greg wiseman yeah Yeah. yes
1: he did gargoyles he worked on star wars rebels He's credited for the story in this. He actually had almost no involvement. Apparently, they brought him in for a week. He like threw around some ideas, and they were like, "Okay, thank you," and he got shown the door. So he really had no involvement with the story here. But I thought I would bring that up because he is a very notable name in these credits. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I thought
2: some of his some of his major ideas made it, and that's why he still got credited, right? So
1: the thing with Bionicle was that the whole like the stories are essentially thought out by a story team that they have at the top of each year so this is sort of like going into the broad strokes of what the story was and then kind of um div- they had they hired a team to sort of develop it into a movie okay. but i i read an interview with greg Wiseman where he based he really downplayed his involvement in this
0: huh. well neat uh, but going back to what i was like saying it is interesting how like they were trying to like engineer their own franchise like you said the only thing that they were doing pro- at the time that was profitable was lego star wars so they're like okay how do we do something that's really badass that's kids are in love but not have to pay a dime for okay well let's try and create something of our own and i remember these these were like everywhere yeah. for the early 2000s and it's you know it's a shame like jacob jokingly said it's like and now no one remembers them but it's like they kind of let this like brand die for whatever
1: reason it's almost fascinating to see just sort of how something so popular ended up becoming so, so like subcultural? Because um, this was huge back in the day. Like at its peak, the Bionicle comic was DC's highest circulated comic book, oh, wow. and I believe this was the highest grossing direct DVD film of 2003. Um, so it, it really in like it appeared like I Bionicles like appeared on like Friends, and what? they were yeah like Google this. There's like a couple Friends episodes with Bionicles. Really yeah and um wow. they, they I remember reading Ultimate Spider-Man back in the day. talk about two-thousands 2000 throwbacks, <laughs> and they uh, they referenced Bionicle in there. It was really huge, and um I think what I've, what's really kind of sad for me about it is that Bionicle actually was like pretty decent. you know I, I think a lot of kids' toy lines are sort of taken you know it, it's you, you take them for what they are where the the, um, the actual storyline they cook up is clearly like an excuse to sell toys and it's more trying to justify nostalgia by finding good elements within it but bionicle was actually like a pretty solid story to the point that when the line finally ended in 2010 the story actually continued via online serials for like a year or so before it kind of just petered out mm-hmm. and a lot of the characters ended up not actually being sets they were just characters that developed in the story
0: that's interesting. And, I mean, because this pretty much is a 70-minute toy commercial, but I would say I'd, I'd seen this for the first time earlier this week when we were preparing for this. I knew about it. Jacob has made multiple references to it over our friendship. So I was aware of it, remember the commercials, but never seen it. I'm like, this is actually, like, a very good, you know, action-packed kids movie. The animation, like, you could tell they spent a lot of money for... Yeah, this still more or less holds up, I think, for, like, a kid's, like, CG animated, and especially, you know, in 03 when you're looking at really only, like, Pixar and, um, like, um, DreamWorks were doing this and looking at all good. Everything else was really rubbery, so you could tell they put a lot of money into this when they didn't necessarily need to, and the story's pretty entertaining.
1: Um, yeah, and you know what's funny is that, like, I would say this is probably, like, all things considered, like, one of the probably one of the weaker of the bionicle movies and story-wise like has more notable problems than future bionicle stories did but i think it's like a testament to just like the solid core that was the story i mean we'll we'll get into it and there's like some issues with the movie i was a little disappointed as a kid um over some of the stuff that happened in this and some of the direction that they took but um it's like a pretty solid movie and i don't feel like i need to judge it on a curve like i do a lot of other stuff like you watch like and i don't know maybe we'll get criticized for this but like you think like that 1980s transformers movie yeah which is like got kind of a cult following i i mean like i kind of have to watch that on like a curve because like i don't think the story is great i don't think like the writing's good it's clearly an excuse to sell toys the animation is pretty subpar but it's got orson wells yeah, and it's almost like a joke, stuff like that. Whereas like something like this, like, it's got flaws, but I feel like I can grade it like a real movie. Where I'm like, okay, this is the writing problem, this is the story problem. Whereas a lot of other kids-related properties, you sort of sit back and you say, oh, you're handling it with like kid gloves. Like, oh, well, that was neat. Oh, that was cool. Because the whole thing doesn't really hold up.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think it's just Jacob's weird nostalgia for this brand uh no because like, I, I, I wouldn't say no, i have nostalgia
1: I, for it i actually yeah. kind of genuinely appreciate it for what it is i i i find it to be a very interesting mythology and interesting story and um it's certainly aimed at like a kid level but like older kid though yeah it was like like 8 to 12 but it was like it didn't talk down to them and it certainly had some interesting ideas going on yeah. within it
0: well, no, I was about I like, was trying to say a joking aside with that is I don't think it is your nostalgia be like, oh, this is a great movie. I grew up with it. Because it's like, I, like I said, I didn't watch this until earlier this week. And I'm like, this is a pretty solid kids movie. Like, I have no attachment to this brand whatsoever. Like I said, I was just aware of it, but nothing but I'm like, you know what? Yeah, there are flaws. Like, we'll get into it. But, you know, it's a kids movie at heart. You can't have, like, you know, necks being snapped and all that, you know, like a Zack Snyder movie necessarily. So... I can understand that those flaws come from it's a children's movie, we'll get into that, but, like, I think it's good, and it does have stakes, as we'll get into at certain points, that I was surprised a children's movie, like, you know, did some of those things.
1: Ironically, you joke about the violence, but one of the things that bothered me, we'll get into this more in the fight scenes, was sort of the, uh, the tamed down violence. Yeah. But let's, uh, I guess we should talk about what's happening in the movie, huh? Probably so you take take the lead jacob
0: this is a recurring theme where we don't talk at all about the movie just about the themes of it and then miss half
1: the movie well you know i think We're that's talking talking about important the important thing yeah, yeah. But... yeah so it's i mean the toa constantly had their the squabblings here i always felt it kind of you know in the vacuum of the movie it works because it starts it's like their arc where they aren't getting along and they come together at the end In the, it's like cyclical in that original year where when they first meet, they don't get along and then they kind of learn to get along. And then, um, you know, there's ups and downs as the story goes on. And here it just starts off, I guess, oh, I guess they're not getting along again. Okay.
0: They're like a family, you know,
1: you love each other, but you can't get along. Well, it's interesting because again, like I... I really think the uh, the quality of the the storytelling was um, again it's it's designed to sell toys, but they actually like created an interesting story and understood more than that. Understood the fundamentals of how to do storytelling. Like here's an example. So the original the, the Toa characters who were sort of like the uh, the taller protector characters here they um, they were the original sets in two thousand one, and then you know at the end of two thousand two they had them transform into hypercharged versions of themselves called the toa nuva which was to sell you toys yeah and like most you know i again let's compare it to transformers 1986 where they just they turn into their new forms like you know don't don't of the transformers like turn into different yeah like rodimus prime yeah uh, and, and it just that. happens but like there's like a real storytelling consequence to it when yeah. it happened in bionicle whereas in bionicle after they transformed and got more powerful they became like very overconfident in themselves and they decided to just split up again the toa and this caused a new group of enemies to come in and find a way to take their powers away and suddenly they were in these hyper forms but they had even less power than they had as normal toa as a result of sort of breaking apart from their overconfidence and they had to defeat these new villains um, without their Toa powers. So there was like a real understanding of like the fundamentals of storytelling yeah. and, you know, the consequence, point A to B to C, um, writing, you
2: yeah. know. That's how you should do
1: something like that. When, you know, the nature
2: of the, of the thing is to sell toys, but it should be driven by by a story sense. Yeah, well. Not just for the sake of selling. To- we're going to change this stuff. I mean, it, it's when, like the Transformers I remember growing up with those. I mean, the, and, and with with the new toys and the new animated series of the generations, like, that was just to sell toys. It wasn't so much... I think they tried sometimes with it, but it wasn't quite like this. It part.
1: felt a little more hot. But they didn't, yeah, so they no. didn't understand, like... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes with those, so I'm not going to accuse them of not understanding storytelling fundamentals, but... It was always just like an excuse from what I saw with Transformers, where it was just oh they transformed, you got to buy the new toy. Whereas there was real consequence to the transformations. Um, The third Bionicle movie, which is interesting because it's like it's almost like a horror movie. There's only Mm -hmm. like one action scene in the whole thing at the very end, Um, like a big one. But that one is about like they get transformed but the whole thing is they get transformed into like monsters and it's about them like struggling with these like inner demons now because they're turning evil and one of them actually does turn evil it's it's pretty interesting
0: well i mean it goes to you know like yeah it's obviously the goal now the day was we need to sell more toys but they did a compelling story behind it. i mean i always think back to like i was big into like superman and batman action figures growing up and it's like i would get a couple of them like a year through different relatives for birthdays and christmas and all that and like never once i get their standard one it was always batman an arctic free suit or superman krypton defender and they all had weird colors just to justify making more action figures it's like they didn't change their costumes that often of the show and all that it's just like you're just doing it with where with this like you said it has consequences you know spoilers for later when the one character Transforms. I don't. I didn't do that as. Oh my god. We just got to go buy a new action figure. There's seven bucks down the drain for um, your parents to spend. It was. Yeah. This is the consequence. This is the arc, and it felt yeah. like it had meaning.
1: So this is actually a good time to I think talk about the two main characters, Takua, the one with the blue mask, and Jala, the one with the yellow mask. So those two had been around since this came out in two thousand three and was the culmination of the first three years of Bionicle, which form a trilogy essentially. And Takua was the main character in the, it was the Mata online game, which was an early online, sort of big online video game um, in terms of, I guess, the history of internet games like that, or at least like a a more prominent example of one. And he was the main character in that, and that got a lot of the 2001 storyline told um it's interesting because the 2001 storyline was meant to be told primarily through a video game being released on consoles like for the pc maybe it was going to be on the playstation but that game never was released and so they ended up having to tell the story through comics um this matanui online video game where you played as the main character in this takua and then a book that was released in 2003 and in a way that almost made it kind of more interesting because it got into the more than new minutiae of the characters since it was less focused Mm -hmm. and allowed you to not only fill in some of the gaps yourself as a kid playing with it, but kind of developed the characters in the world a little bit more while still getting the point across. And then Jala was actually a McDonald's toy. Funny enough. Um, the one with the yellow mask started off as just one of the promotional toys they sold at McDonald's. Oh, I so remember how like, he matches I... the colors. And he <laughs> ended up becoming a very important character, somewhat incidentally, just because they developed him. And he was like, oh, well, who's this guy? You know, he's the captain of the guard. And, yeah, I, uh I had that toy, too. I just think, remember. That's, that's
2: how I when I first was. oh, yeah, it was a McDonald's toy that I had. Yeah.
1: That yeah. is so funny. I
2: have a very limited uh, exposure. Well, I shouldn't say limited, but... Li- Relative to Jacob, I mean, I, I didn't follow the mythology as a kid. I, I just collected some of the action figures, or I should say Legos, and I just played with them beyond that, but but I had no idea there was, like, a mythology. I think any time there was, I kind of shied away from it because I wasn't as interested in it. I just kind of made up my own stuff when it came to them. Yeah, That was about it, I, really.
1: I, I respect any kid that's willing to shy away from a pre-created storyline and create their own. Yeah. I just This I, was, I was a good one, though. I wasn't even aware
2: that there was one. I was just like, yeah. Well, and I think that might also,
0: um, there could be the argument that's why, you know, it kind of is fizzled away is that it, it did a lot of stuff that, you know, was potentially, you know, when you're looking at, you know, these are for like kids ages 8 to 12, that's a lot of heavy stuff and a lot of different things that a kid has to go get a comic line, go get a book line, go get, go play an online video game to get the complete story you yeah know, that there are very few brands that do it now i know like gi joe in the 80s you know they had the cartoon but they also had like a sequel comic series that like existed in the continuity of the show but like it expanded upon it and that's where a lot of the lore comes from but you could watch the show and like completely know what you're dealing with where with this if you want to know anything about the lore you have to go get invested in a lot of stuff so early 2000s kids that might have been a little difficult for why well,
1: I, I wonder that sometimes if bionicle would have had more staying power if it had like a tv show or something because mm. if you wanted to follow the story you had to basically like you had to read the books yeah. to get it and i you know i really like reading them as a kid and uh they were actually pretty well written the guy who wrote the books, Greg farsity i've seen interviews with him um we used to correspond with him back in the day on the Bionicle boards, mostly to ask him how Bionicles reproduce, because that's what you do when you're <laughs> in middle school. Um, but he's he's very intelligent. He's very well-read. And um, it wasn't just like... I mean, it was a job for hire, but it meant a lot more to him than that. Yeah, he actually gave a crap um, still. Let's talk about Makuta. So Makuta was the overarching villain of basically the entire series, I guess... I would compare him to like thanos where even if he wasn't the main villain of the year he was either a bigger villain behind the scenes or a character still taking part in the events of the story um and he basically went through two incarnations where um the original makuta who's this one's closer to the original one was more satanic Uh, i read an interview with christian faber who came up with the idea for bionicle he was like the concept designer for it and He described it as sort of like an opposite deconstruction of Lego, where you look at Lego action figures where they are, you know, the Bionicles were toys. They were action figures you would build from pieces into like a model. And Makuta was the opposite. He was a void. And so when Makuta didn't have a set until this movie came out, he was just represented by floating pieces. And the whole idea was he had no shape or form because he was a void of creativity i think the famous line is at the end of the first year is you cannot destroy me for i am nothing but then that got kind of boring to write after a while because that's very one note and they kept defeating him and it just made him seem sort of uh lame and so greg farsherty kind of reinvented the character in a book that came out in 2005 called time trap where um he was basically reinvented as like a scheming chess master who posed as this big demon, but in reality mm. had a massive superiority complex and had all these convoluted schemes that were leading up to something big um and the story was he had to actually team up with a toA throughout the whole thing, and it was about them bouncing off each other while trying to fight this other threat and it was It was very interesting, and both incarnations are interesting in their own right. Would disagree, you agree? Disagree? <laughs> no, I think I. You're right. I
0: mean, that's a really fascinating concept, especially for like a kid to like wrap their mind around. Of the villain is nothingness. Like I know they yeah, kind of did that. with like, never... the first um, never ending story, but like same with this that they eventually had to be like, okay, that's a little too nebulous for kids. And how do you continue writing that? And then I guess in this context, how do you sell a toy of this? It
1: was it was actually a good move. And I, yeah. if we're gonna be honest, like it's interesting conceptually. And I guess philosophically, but maybe
0: not practically. Well,
1: it's also like there's only so much you can do with that. Where like if you just he, if he's this nebulous entity, but they just keep defeating him, then it's like you're a you're like a serial villain or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so it became a thing where like even his he would talk about like his plans, and he's like, I know I'm going to be defeated, but sometimes the only way to win is by losing. And he ended up winning uh, at the at the uh, the end of the first eight years because. Um, The first eight years were about awakening the Great Spirit, and it turned out his big overarching plan was to occupy the Great Spirit's mind. It's a whole thing, but basically, the Great Spirit was a robot that they had to um, reawaken, and at the last second, he got them to reawaken the robot, but erased its mind and put his own inside of it, and he won. And that was how the original big storyline ended.
2: So so there was a reboot in, what, 2014, was there? Yeah, yeah. Generation 2, is that what they call it? Yep. What do you think of that?
1: It was all right. I mean, I didn't follow it too closely. Um, it definitely skewed a little younger and a little simpler. And uh,
0: yeah, yeah think... part
1: of it, you know, the fact that it only lasted two years kind of speaks for itself to some degree. But on the other hand, um, I also think just sort of the market's changed. Yeah. I don't think... Toy based toy line action figures and stories are quite as popular as they used to be because this kind of came out this was sort of like right at the end of when you could do those power rangers merchandise based story sort of stuff mm-hmm. um,
2: so so do you think I mean going back to uh I think when Bionicle kind of fell out of the public consciousness um, it, i think I think we we're talking about you saying that. It was because the, the the mythology was deepening to the point, and then the audience was just getting older, and they just weren't following it anymore. See, so you,
1: yeah, you think that's a pretty uh, I think that pretty much incredible reason. Yeah. hits the nail on the head. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it got very convoluted. That's what I was talking about. That year, this was two thousand eight, where Makuta took over the Great Spirit. Um, that was actually part of an attempt to sort of simplify it, because then after that happened they switched to a bunch of new characters that were in the same universe Uh Um, I I don't need to get into all the details of it this all ends up coming together where all the characters sort of coalize into one story at the very end in 2010 but that was an attempt to reboot it to try and make it simpler to bring new audiences in because they realized they had sort of started to lose a lot of that audience because their sales were dropping
0: and you also look at it as, I mean, 2010 isn't too far off, obviously, only 10 years ago from now, but you look at it, that's also a hard thing to, like, when you're saying new viewers, that's like, how, imagine being a kid coming into, like, something that's been going on since before you were born, and then, like, okay, how do you get, maybe the Flash game is still online, maybe you can buy the book off of Amazon, but, like, can you get all of these things? So it's kind of hard to then, Jump back or get into the story in any
1: meaningful way when it's still telling the same, you know, near decade long story. Exactly. And uh, I guess Bionicle was replaced by a line called Hero Factory, uh, which I didn't follow too closely, but that didn't have a big overarching story. It would just do like episodic stories per year where these characters would do something one year, the next year they would do something else, and there was no like crossover development. And that was very intentional because they wanted to avoid the problems that bionicle had in later years
0: Well, i mean you look at it and to like like with the marvel movies like they're trying to make sure that of course yeah it's for the best if you've seen all 55 marvel movies there are at this point but you know i didn't really see i've only seen like probably you know 10 like you know a third or so of them but still going to see Endgame you know even though I hadn't seen a lot of movies you know I knew like what was going on I was able to follow it that they made it simple enough that it's better if you could see all of them but we're going to make sure this is not not dumbed down um, more simple I suppose and easy to understand than having to track down everything Like I cannot imagine anytime I want to go see one of these movies then having to watch all 30 of them or in this case you know tracking down a bunch of old comic books a few books and then a four movies and then an online video game
1: well it's you know like you can watch this movie just as a movie and it works as like a pretty straightforward tale about weird robot things going on an adventure yeah but um in the greater context there's like a you know actually the cinematic universe model isn't a bad sort of uh comparison because you can watch ant-man in a vacuum. Or you can watch like Spider-Man Homecoming in a vacuum and appreciate it as a one-off story. But with the context of the larger universe, it becomes more interesting. It's the same thing with this, just more in terms of just how deep the mythology goes. Maybe Lord of the Rings is a good comparison. Mm -hmm. I'm not comparing the quality of the storytelling (laughs) to J.R.R. Tolkien, but in terms of, you can look at Lord of the Rings, as just an adventure story about people trying to destroy a ring. Or you can, like, kind of understand the full breadth of the world he's created from all the different outside sources and all of that. Well, that seems to be what Tolkien was more interested in. Yeah. But that's another conversation. We'll do that in our
0: 55-hour commentary for the extended trilogy for The Lord of the Rings. This is going to be my punishment for
1: making them sit through this. <laughs> we'll watch him boo brothers next. Yeah. <laughs> That'll um, be a punishment to you and me, too. So we got a. Uh, so we got the Rockshi here.
2: So the Rockshi, when did they come in? I remember when they were introduced on the toy line. This is my reference for by Uncle Vanya. This was
1: this was the, the first appearance line. of the Rockshi. Oh, okay. Um, it's interesting because they're they're like called the sons of Makuda, and basically there's just like they're these six hyper elite like monsters that work for Makuda. In the actual storyline, there was like thousands of them, mm-hmm. um, but early and they were like a hundred you know, right. different colors and stuff. Here. They're presented as very sort of, there's just like six of them, and they only fight like three at a time until the end, just to get a sense of how powerful that they were. And, and to save money on that animation, because I don't think Weinstein was wanting to
0: make this the most expensive animated movie ever.
1: I suspect Weinstein would have no idea what you were talking about if you brought this up, despite the Miramax label. So like here's a, here's go an go interesting thing. Um, they just distributed it. <laughs> they didn't animate it. Yeah. Takoro, yeah, Creative Capers actually animated it, but Takoro was uh, just destroyed. And so, Takoro was one of the six major villages over the course of the three years, and it just gets destroyed in the middle of the movie. But that's that's good. You know, if you're going to, Make a Bionicle movie that sums up the whole year and is important enough to be a film and not just another comic. You got to make a big story with big consequences. Yeah, see, it's great in that cool. sense, but like for me as someone who, does, who has no
2: context of the greater Bionicle world, I, I just see it as like a good inciting incident. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's definitely depressing watch it be like, oh, their home is gone, but yeah, yeah. You, you definitely get more if you watch it all
1: or read all of it. I don't even think I ever thought about it too much until the comic that came out after this movie. Which featured a scene of like um, the the Tamatoran, those are the red Tamatoran bionicles, sort of like standing in like the ruins of the city and mourning about how it was destroyed. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. The city was completely destroyed. Yeah. I also like the juxtaposition we've gone from like a huge action set piece where the fucking
0: village is destroyed too borderline like buddy cop like kids movie like of them being like goofing around it's like this but it's like oh you know you could say that's a tonal shift but i actually like it because it's like like oh well you gotta go take this here it's kind of dangerous but you're fine but they don't realize the danger that's lurking behind them that they're still oblivious to it which i like that fact that yeah like they have no idea how much
1: trouble they're about to be in oh i mean or danger i should say yes both in the movie and I guess in the larger context of the mythology, we'll talk the movie, just the movie for now. Yeah. So that bear was not a set, actually. And the the crab there was a set, but they designed the movie version of the crab and then built the set around it, which is hmm. the opposite of how most of these characters are done. So did the crab toy look a lot
0: differently because they had to change it to like fit the t- proportions of what a toy
1: could do? Yeah, it looked... It Actually, was pretty pretty decent emulation. So here's another fun fact that's Lewa, the uh, the green bionicle and he speaks like all the other green bionicles at this point in something called tree speak uh-huh. where they have this weird hippie cadence like you'll notice he calls like the red toa fire spitter and he has all these like weird like nicknames for things and that never happened until this movie came out okay he just talked normally in the books and everything and then after the movie came out the filmmakers decided to have him talk this way and so lego was like all right, now we have to write all the green characters like this for the rest of the line because the movie said this. And I saw an interview with Greg Farshtey, who wrote the books, and they were, like, asking him, like, his, like, favorite characters, favorite, like, stories. And they asked him what his least favorite character to write was, and he was like, any green character that talked in that tree speak. It was such a pain. (laughs) Yeah, like, no foot walking, air flying. Like, they they always talked like that. Well, it's good, though. Well,
2: that's another thing that that reminded me each Toa has a distinct personality
1: in this. They're not just Red Warrior and Green Warrior. That's actually... That's something I thought that they were... Throughout the whole line was a real strength, was the characters all felt distinct. Yeah. yeah, Which well, is hard to do when you're introducing 30 or 40 new characters a year.
0: Well, and it's... It, you know, it's... I, I think, like, you know, it helped me differentiate between a lot of them. That, like you said, they weren't just color swap models and, like, you could completely, like... Interchange them; it did feel different, you know. And they're trying to, I guess, um go with different like motifs. Like I feel like this might be going on, like the old like, you know, like Native American like Western trope and all that. Like trying to invoke like an old like Western movie, like you know, this be their
1: version of, like Tonto or something like that. Well, originally, Bionicle, a lot of the names and stuff were based on like Maorian sort of words and language, but then they got sued by that, you know, the Maorian people. And they had to, like, slightly change them all. So, like, yeah. JALA was originally spelled J-A-L-A. And then, like, that was, you know, that was a word they weren't allowed to use. So they changed the spelling to J-A-L-L-E-R. Okay. So they made it more confusing. Yeah. yeah. And then they ended up coming up with the storyline reason why they changed it that was even weirder and dumber. <laughs> and so, like, we're going to add an E-R at the end of your name now because of all the great things that you did, JALA. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I could app- again, I can appreciate that. Look at that. It's always coming from a story sense.
1: Exactly. Because <laughs> they could have
0: very easily just been like, okay, this is their names name so now, but pretend like it was always
1: that way. Let's get into a problem this movie has, and this is a good point to bring it up, where Jala seems to be the only proactive character in this movie. Like, Lewa basically just shows up, kind of helps him up the cliff, and then has to go, like, run off for some negligible reason. And that's like... It's a big problem throughout the main character Takua, is constantly rejecting his you know responsibility. his responsibility to go and bring the mask, which kind of contradicts who he was in the old story, but that's the whole other thing basically Jala is the only one who's like actually being proactive throughout this uh I guess Kopaka when he comes up in a few minutes is a little bit more proactive, but
0: well, I just like feel like it was like it's going yeah, thank
1: you toa for. <laughs> helping us climb up this cliff and then running away.
0: Well, yeah, I'm just,
1: like, thinking back that Simpsons episode where it's, like, you know, Poochie had to go back to his home planet. It's pretty much, yeah.
0: But, no, I wonder, though, if it was legitimately, like, an animation budget, that like, it, it's going to cost us X amount more to have multiple characters in the screen try and limit that as much as possible. Just, like, thinking about, like, how expensive, like, these CGI animations were early on. I wonder how much of that was... This needs to be a story
1: thing where they're doing it mostly on their own or we just had our bow rock cameo So are these some of the
2: other villains that they
1: these were the villains from the second year? Yeah, mm-hmm. so th- are they related to Makuda? They at first it seemed like they were unrelated They were just like a swarm of like robots that were hiding under the island that appeared in the second year, but then at the very... I think it was this year, they revealed that Makuta was the one that set him off. After he was defeated in 2001, he set off some signal that activated them all and used them as a distraction so he could heal himself while they were busy dealing with this threat. Wow. The the Bohrok's a whole other thing to get into, but that was... At least when I was younger, they were actually the more popular villains. I do remember them when they came out. And I think that's because they had... um, (laughs) <laughs> it might have been because the sets were cheaper and they were, but they were also weapons. a little bit more yeah they were a little bit more affordable and they were also a little bit more unique than the big mm-hmm. monsters that they fought in the first year, and Makuda, who did not have a set
2: yeah. who were some of the big monsters they fought
1: uh the rahi, basically the villains what? in the first year were just like monsters like giant scorpions, giant bulls, stuff like that that um Makuda infected uh-huh. and was having to destroy the villagers. So it was basically oh, uh, an excuse to build, like, giant bionicle animals and insects. It was pretty cool. It was yeah, just, I mean, like, kind of pricey to buy them. Trying tried to do, like, a Godzilla-like storyline of, like, a force of nature, pretty much. Yeah, it was It was cool. And, it, again, it was cool seeing, like, animals that were robots around the island. It gave the whole thing a really unique cadence. Okay, so we have Kopaka coming up now, who... Probably I, the best character. I guess Kopaka, that, again, I saw like this same interview that I saw with Greg Farsity. Um, they asked him what the inspiration behind the characters were, and like if he based them off of any pre-existing fictional characters, and he couldn't think of anything except Kopaka was partially based on Batman.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's definitely, at least, I would say he's the most effective character. Yeah, I shouldn't say best, but <laughs> maybe the one most
2: interesting to me. Yeah. Though. He he does seem the most competent, and
0: I think he might stick around the longest with them so far.
1: He defeats all three Rakshi right here, while everybody else just kind of dawdles. Like, Tapu, who's like the leader in the books and everything, pretty much spends the whole movie just, you know, kind of getting kicked around. Yeah, which is very weird. He was my favorite. Um, So... As a kid, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's Tahu. And he just gets, like, kicked around the whole movie. Yeah, he was my favorite, too. Probably because as a kid, I just, red
2: was my favorite color, so that's how I rationalized it. Me, too. The red Power Power Ranger was the
1: best. Well, he had a, I liked that he was the fire one, too. That was the cool power to me. And he actually, like, I mean, you know, it wasn't anything super planned out, but he had, like, a solid character arc over the course of 10 years where he, like, reigned in his temper and became a much more, like, forward-thinking, sort of, uh, stable bionicle.
2: So is that, did it happen with all the Toas? Do they all have, like, a character arc throughout the, that first generation?
1: Uh, per year. Tahu was the only one who really changed over the course of all ten years, and part of that is because the Toa, these Toa, the Toa Nuva, weren't really main characters for most of the years going forward. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, per year they would. Like, 2001... Um, the the Toa all kind of had their own personality flaws and learned to come together. It was that kind of thing. Okay.
2: So um, th- that whole thing between the blue one and the red one. Sorry, I still I'm not gonna remember the names.
1: That's uh, that's okay. That's Tahu and Gali.
2: Okay, so do they have that feud in the in the in the other storylines, or is that or is that it was uh, like. Original for this movie.
1: It was touch and go in terms of the, okay. the feuds, but they all had like personality clashes and whatnot. And those two clashed because Tahu was very fiery and quick tempered, and Gali was very sort of calm and more serene. Oh, that makes sense. Fire and water. You know, yeah. Yes. Same thing. Kopaka and Tahu. Who were, were they? S- The white ones? one and the red one. Okay. They were sort of the same way, where Kopaka was very solitary and insular and wouldn't play well with the team as a result by the way don't take me not
0: asking these questions meaning i know any of this i'm just gonna let jake be the one to ask and i'll just sit here and
1: smile and nod the entire time (laughs) what's happening this is gonna be me during (laughs) i actually i really like the movie um but this will be me during van helsing (laughs) (laughs) and she's coming oh my god Um, get ready coming august 15th right yeah it, they'll be talking about it, and I'll be like, "I agree. This is very interesting." <laughs> Wait, and it's like back
0: during our Phantom commentary track when the wow. We were so trying to social distance, and I was in a different room than them. And like we were so Zoom, doing a Zoom call, and I couldn't hear anything they said, so I just kept saying, "I agree," not knowing whatever well, they said. And that was about three fourths of the
2: commentary because we ran out of things to say. In it the ended first up being 15 minutes. It ended
1: up being kind of funny though.
2: Yeah, I felt like a comedian who ran out of material, <laughs> and, and like the first 10 minutes of a set, and I was just sweating the whole time, <laughs> just praying it would be over. That's one of the worst commentaries I ever had to edit, but
0: I think it's also one of the funniest commentaries. So check it out.
1: <laughs> So here we got Takua, who gets scared by Makuta. Like, some of the stuff Makuta says here is interesting, but I don't like that Takua spends the whole movie rejecting the call. Why? I I think that's just a lazy storytelling trope. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Green Lantern movie. Hal Jordan spends that whole movie rejecting the call, and finally at the end of the second act, he decides to actually go and be Green Lantern, and that's not really like... uh, it's not a yeah. character arc. That's a part of a character arc. Yeah, I, I think when you're doing
2: something like that, there should be ebb and flow to it. You can still maintain that, but it should still—he should still be tested in a way. Yeah, I do have to say, their suits in this look a lot more
0: realistic than the suit in Green Lantern.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and so it just makes the main character Takua feel like kind of a load. And he seems, like, very irresponsible, and it makes you sympathize with Jala a lot more because he's the one, even though it's not his duty, he's not the one that's supposed to go find it. He's he's doing it anyway because it's just the right thing to do. So yeah. it makes it like Jala a lot more. Because it, it doesn't really feel like um, his character at the beginning when he's, like,
0: exploring the lava caves, even though apparently, like, lava is just, like, hot water to them, given that one of
1: them, like, touched the lava. It's like, ow, that kind of hurt. But still, it feels like he's a lot braver of a character, and I know... That's yeah. what he was like in the uh, the first two years, also. So it was like, you know, they're they're trying to give him a character arc. I understand that, but ultimately he just spends the whole movie refusing the call. Yeah,
2: maybe it's one of those things where maybe they had more things planned from, but they couldn't afford it because I would include just more scenes to animate. I <laughs> want to give him, you know, yeah. the benefit of the doubt here because I think they would know better. it could also have been a um, thing where it was just badly
0: executed where it's like oh he's brave he's doing all this like cool stuff and all that but then it's like oh no this is like a serious very dangerous like not like and I know they're not supposed to be children but I think of them as like children just based on their size compared to the rest of them but like almost like a childlike sense of danger like that like as kids like you would do stuff like you weren't supposed to like oh i'm gonna go across that tree that's crossing that pond or that that stream that's only a foot deep versus oh now you have to go on a cross-country adventure where demons are going to be chasing you is slightly different stakes so i could see like his
2: apprehension level but i don't think they like illustrated that enough yeah you could still maintain his arc but there should still be things that that test that idea where he could be more proactive and and do things but still be afraid so it, it makes you know when he does become the hero more earned
1: Yeah, he's basically i i would have even accepted more something where he takes the responsibility reluctantly and then gives up but basically here he's just dragged along by jala the whole time yeah. jala like in the middle of the meeting is like takua is going to come too and he's like uh, i guess i can't say no and it's basically holding takua by the bionicle ear the whole time and pulling okay. him along now, did you ask the writer about uh, bionicle anatomy as well as the birthing process? Oh, we all did back in the day. Just... But, I mean, this is what you do when you're a dumb middle schooler. <laughs> and he, So, he used to... So, little context. He wrote the books. There was a larger bionicle story team, but he wrote all the books and comics. Um, and I just remember back in the day on some of those old message boards, I think it was BZ Power. They used to... um they would always ask everyone at one point got into this thing where we were all asking him how do bionicles reproduce and he just like wouldn't answer because he's on like you know he's on a a board of like kids with all these like trying to do this family-friendly line and he can't just like come up with an answer or something like that so finally i think he was just like i'm not going to answer that i think some years later they came up with some like stork concept where there was like a machine that would make them or something i never looked into it too deeply to be honest um i just i thought it was funny that everyone would always ask him that he was always very adamant that bionicles would not love each other didn't have sexual feelings because they were robots however the movies put like weird sexual tension between characters um which internet
0: perversion and that doesn't help
1: yeah i just assumed that that helped piss him off to no end Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing I mean I I know you want to keep to an internal logic but
2: it's not the end of the world yeah 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 it's fine these are fictional robots
1: again it was like the contrast between the movies that were putting robot sexual tension in and then the you know the hapless writer trying to like keep everything (laughs) under control like yeah it's not what it sounded like yeah um on
0: well, that like, you don't need to know how they're born because it's like yeah it's just like okay they're robots they're here whatever like it never bo- <laughs> it never bothered me growing up like i wasn't always like how did the character get born i need to know exactly how tommy pickles was conceived to be able to enjoy this show
1: well it's interesting at this because it's just such a strange scenario um where you have like these robots that are clearly like these advanced mechanical beings but they're living like they're like feral tribes almost where they like they live in huts and they have like this weird religion and um, eventually the explanation was that the great spirit that they worshipped was actually a giant robot that they were all built to work inside of by these higher beings and their uh, programming had a glitch that caused them to become sentient and made them misunderstand what they were supposed to do they were supposed to work in this robot but they ended up interpreting that as worshipping it and forgetting what they were and that was sort of the big reveal uh, closer to the end of this line. But there was actually a lot of hints about it going uh, throughout the years. So it was, it was actually a, a well-done mystery in that regard. It was well planned out. A few logical leaps you got to make in order to, to justify all of it, but, you know. Now, was that scar he had on his face canon
0: for the rest of the series, or no?
1: No, they heal it in this movie. Oh, nice. That's I uh, that's attention. what corrupts him. That's all right, you're taking on a lot. He was he was corrupted by the one Rakshi, and that causes him to go crazy and turn evil here. Uh, he, maybe he was just sick again and beaten yeah, up. Yeah, that's,
0: that's what I just thought. He's like, you know what? When I'm on team good guy, I'm getting my ass kicked. Maybe I should switch sides.
1: Fire consumes all. So I, want, I want that carved on my tombstone. So let's talk about, um, I'll take you on your word there. <laughs> let's talk about like the, the fighting and specifically the level of violence. It always felt a little watered down to me. I'm curious how you guys felt about it, watching it. Wait, say it the, again? The fighting and specifically the level of violence, because it always felt a little watered down to me. Uh, I, just, I, I don't know i mean when we get to- <laughs> great andrew what do you
2: think <laughs>
0: uh, when we get to the end with like you know it, yeah, we that, talked about how like it's, sticks out. It, yeah it felt like they couldn't have consequences but i'm reminded almost of like some of those shows like the 90s spider-man and like kids shows from around and then when they were being it's a lot good
1: comparison when they were being a
0: lot more cautious and you know i think i was just thinking of like the iron giant where the Iron Giant's blowing a lot of shit up and destroying tanks, but you, they always are careful to show, like, two seconds before the tank blows up. You see the soldiers running, jumping out of it, that there was a... We can be violent, but nobody can get hurt, except for the bad guys, and, like, that it's a little bit of a neutering, especially it's comedic, because you were telling me how much more violent... The comic series and toys were that well i don't of uh, have the
1: chainsaws
0: for hands or something like it's that. it's actually
1: the guy we just saw he had like chainsaw but i like i don't need this to be super violent it shouldn't be it's a kid's yeah. thing but it just feels like like watered down here and they're like they're kind of dancing around the capabilities of these characters and the fight scenes and i i actually think that's a problem they solved in the next two movies yeah. where they were a little bit more lenient and people could actually like fight with their swords and there could be direct hits. Mm-hmm. But I noticed there's like, other than like stuff like this where they're shooting them with water, there's not a lot of direct hits. People yeah. just like put energy fields around other characters and like cage them that and way. No, yeah, oh. like knock them down. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see like real violence or something like that. I want it to be classy and kid friendly, but they don't need to water themselves down that much. Yeah, I mean,
0: they could get injured, like, okay, yeah, like his arm gets broken, but oh, he's
1: fine, don't no, worry, he's limping
0: at the end, or his arm's in a robo-sling, or like, something like that. I mean, it especially just stands out in juxtaposition with how, you yeah, know, they destroyed that village. Now, yeah, you don't see corpses in the background, but it's like, that's a kind of a dark thing, as we said, you know, had stakes to then be like, no one gets hurt, only the bad guys, don't worry. And yeah, for all we know, those bad guys that got frozen on the ice, they're fine. Robots don't need air. They'll be fine when spring
1: comes. Or they come back at the end. God, I just thought there were more.
0: All right. Um, I watched this movie 48 hours ago, and I'm still confused.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do really like the atmosphere in this movie. Um... I think the animation is good for very good for its time, but not perfect. But I think it actually I respect the like atmosphere of the locales. Yeah,
0: I mean for a directed VHS slash D V D um movie, I mean I think it's better than like when you some when you look at some of the um Disney directed video movies from around this time, like some of them like look really like garbage and yeah. I'm sure they had, you know, in theory a little bit more money than this. I mean you look at like so those Beauty and the Beast and, like, Aladdin ones. It's, like, some of these, like, look like garbage. Like, they weren't even made by, like, Disney. This, like, looks, you know, pretty good for the early 2000s.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That they actually, you know, try.
0: I mean, that watery effect alone I feel like they shouldn't have been able to do, like, on this budget. It's like how when you look at the early Pixar, like, everything just looks like it's made of plastic, and it's like, you know, they got, you know, pretty good, you know, like, making it, like, oh, I can tell that's, like, a gel water like effect over him not like a rendering of like
1: mistake oh and here kopaka does pull a batman where she's trying to talk to him and he just walks away and disappears (laughs) Uh, here's our lone hero of the movie
0: the mcdonald's mascot i can now not see the mcdonald's colors when you tell me that i and we were joking about it how uh, the other one kind of looks like almost like an Optimus Prime toy for like some like company that's trying to compete like with Funko <laughs> Pop um, is trying to come up with a new thing. And but this guy, one of us said like he kind of looks like almost like Iron Man. So it's very uh, like oh my god, he's got McDonald's colors.
1: Yeah, no, that was a McDonald's toy originally. And they released uh, many more sets af- many more versions of that character after that. Obviously, because he was around up until the the very end 2010 yeah i mean
0: it's just weird to think like you know yeah i know like mcdonald's creates stuff for, like for their like series or it would be like it'd be crazy if like Hamburglar became like a major character of like the mcu because they did like a Hamburglar captain america toy or something like that
1: oh my god that's like that's the right. fun of following comics is yeah. the weird <laughs> market-driven tangents they all go down
2: huh so I guess Makuta's mannerisms were based on Kurtz from Apocalypse Now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, oh wait, I you know what? I can't see it. So here's the thing, and I was gonna get into this at the end. The Makuta in this movie, I notice, is very forlorn. Uh-huh. You notice he's, he like he seems like he's like he's not like he doesn't love that he's evil. It seems like he's doing this all because he has to. I get that sense. When he releases the Rakshi, he says. I'm releasing those which never see the light of day and so i've got some ideas that maybe the filmmakers had different ideas as to what this character should be but i'll discuss that when we get to a specific scene at the end okay
0: yeah you know we should mention the length like this you know is pretty short but like they cram a lot in there and it doesn't feel too too rushed like I, you said it's like what 70 minutes yeah it's like, it, you know, I'm, when I want to say it felt longer than that. I'm not meaning it like a bad thing. It's just like, oh, they got a lot in there, but it didn't feel like... Well, actually, you know, they have some, you know, moments where they can breathe and have nice character moments and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because here we have all six Rakshi attack him. He releases three at the beginning, three in the middle, and then here all six of them come together. So the ones from the... Uh, Ice got out. Yeah. I just kept assuming he just kept releasing more and I wasn't paying attention. By the end of the, the story, I mean, you know, I don't want to keep diving into that, but there is like hundreds of them around. But in this movie, it's just those six, yeah. which were the, the sets that were released. Yeah, which, and I can also see why they have to keep it limited from a
0: story standpoint, because it's like if you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds versus two, that might be a little... Little much be like, okay, they're able to beat them. They're too overpowered, where it's like, this is just like, okay, they're just slightly outnumbered and they get held that you can believe that they're able to make it out by like the skin or their teeth type thing. Yeah. Or whatever robots have in their mouths. Manifolds.
1: And yeah, we finally got all six Toa together. That's cool. Did you have a poster of this image on your wall? No, I like the posters of the toys and the, uh, the CGI and the commercials, which. Even though this is pretty good, the CGI in the commercials was actually higher end. guess mm, they could spend higher end bit. than this. Yeah, really. It looked pretty professional. Yeah, look up like the um, like the the commercials for like the two thousand three toys and stuff like that, and it looks really good. Well, it's like what we. But it doesn't have the atmosphere that this yeah. movie does too. So that's the trade off. Well, it's like what we were joking about when we were doing the um,
0: Spider-Man sixty-seven commentary. It's like, wow, those swinging shots look really well animated because it's, it's like, okay, well they're like. We're going to put a lot of money into 30 seconds worth of animation. And that was the equivalent of it, that, you know, okay, we're going to put a lot of money into these, like, minute-long commercials. And then they had to stretch a, albeit bigger budget, but they had to stretch it a hell of a lot
1: further for this. I just realized Pohatu's, like, one big move throughout this whole movie is just throwing those claw things at people. <laughs> I think he throws, he shoots some sand around, too, but there, that's twice that he's caught the sheep by, like, throwing the claws at their hands. I just wish he, we threw sand. He would just have pocket sand. That, that got yeah. Something. You're right about the animation. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah, right? Look, it does look better. Well, you know why they didn't. Yeah. You know why they didn't go with that? Why? Because they were worried that that would only work in a commercial, but in a full, like a full length film. Yeah. Having it look that close to the toy would be distracting because like there's holes in the toy and like uh-huh. joints and obvious like parts and. Like, a movie would cause, like, lighting effects to shine through them and, like, be distracting and not quite work. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's also budget concerns, but that was what was said at the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, and here we have uh, the temporary death of (laughs) Jala. Yeah, this is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they should have had the balls to kill this character off completely. I want to see a mid movie where they murder the Hamburglar violently.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, this movie has an issue where um, the characters that die just sort of get brought back to life without any consequence. Like a Marvel movie. No, Marvel usually is actually pretty good about that. Um, How
0: many times did Loki die, though? Uh,
1: don't get me started. Now he's going to get a TV show. Um... But no, I mean it
0: goes to what you were saying about the violence being watered down. That it's like it definitely when they killed him off, I'm like, oh wow, like okay, they're they're killing this character off. You know, this now is what gives um, Lake Tahoe. Tahoe, what's this guy's name again? Takua. Takua. I, I, part, part, part of that was part part that was a joke. But I legitimately couldn't. We're remember gonna
1: it. start this over again at the end until you guys get the names <laughs> right. you right. gonna
2: give us a quiz by the end. We're gonna just, we're
1: But gonna yeah. apparently, right. like the filmmakers, like before they. The Creative Capers people, before they went to make this movie, they had to go through what they called Bionicle Boot Camp from Lego. Oh my god. Which I imagine would be basically like what we're doing right now. Yeah, it's like uh, I get Billy, Billy Madison vibes when they <laughs> go through school and just...
0: Okay. Oh, I, I can't just imagine like... <laughs>
1: name the six Toa.
0: But no, it's like where how like J.K. Rowling like, couldn't remember all the spells that she was creating in previous books. And she was like using like some fan website that was like cataloging every time a spell was said like what it did. So she'd be like i have a spell like that so like you have to rely on the fans sometimes yes um but no i felt like with this like oh wow maybe he really is dead because that now has given him the um incentive to be like he he would be dead he would be alive had i not been so cowardly i have to accept my responsibilities now i have to do what's right you know to honor him and then you know five minutes and i was like oh wait i'm kind of like jesus now i can bring this guy back to life no consequences
1: Wow, that's that's very interesting when you put it that way, Was. That's a very good idea. That would have been that would have been great if they did that. But this is good. So I, we're getting into the third act here, and um, the third act of this movie I would describe as great on paper or plastic. I I see what you did great on paper in execution we got some issues yeah. so, also when I
0: see this um, I also transformed this Bionicle I'm reminded of um, do you guys remember um, Toonami the Tom character they yeah, had I, I feel do. like that's like a toy version like that when they would do if they ever did a
1: crossover promotion that that's what the Tom Bionicle would look like I remember I had, because I had the Toa light figure, and you had to get it with that vehicle. And it had Jala's mask on the front, but it was gray because he was dead. But we didn't realize that when we bought the toy.
0: Like, why is Jala's mask gray?
1: And I'm like, oh, it looks like Jala's mask. Of course, Jala had the same mask as uh, Tahu until Tahu transformed. So we just thought it looked, maybe it was a decoration. Oh, no, he died, and that's his mask.
0: Now, I liked uh, when we said this. I didn't realize it was a mask. I'm like, oh my god, did they just rip off his face and like staple it to the front? Like imagine like your father dies and you would just skin his face before the funeral, and just like staple it to the front of your car. That's what I was imagining briefly. <laughs>
1: like this. They make it more ambiguous because they they never show what their faces look like without the masks on here. Whereas in the uh, you know in the actual comics and books, they took their masks off. And then all the time. set
0: when you're building it, you probably saw what was underneath
1: yeah it was a creative choice i kind of respect it yeah leaves things a little ambiguous okay do you think identity has got
0: to be terrible in this world you steal someone else's <laughs> mess it's like hi i'm Talu.
1: that's <laughs> why <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. take all
0: of the money out of my account bank or bionicle
1: out of the tocoro national bank <laughs> <laughs> Their that's, that's why the Toa are so pissed off at the beginning of this. They all had their identities stolen. Their money is just like the studs you see in, like, the Lego Star Wars <laughs> games.
0: Yeah, though, going back to what you said, how this has, like, disappeared from, like, you know, like, they don't really care about it anymore. You, didn't you say, like, across all the Lego movies, they've made, like,
1: two Bionicle references? There have been two across all of the... Lego movies they showed there was like a joke in the first one where they were showing all the different like all the different worlds and one of them was the Bionicle world and then I think there's like a background gag in the Batman movie the Lego Batman movie about it and that's it which is unfortunate because that could have been
0: an avenue to revive these characters you know opening under the mm-hmm. table doesn't drown it out alright Jake is eating a um, granola bar that we're not sponsored by Nature Valley, but he just likes it.
1: Oh, we're getting our first look at what Makuta looks like. of, For real, I guess. Now, did this cause you to shit your pants when you were kidding excitement? Well, it was funny. It was more just like kind of like a double take because... I saw the set first in like a catalog, and they were like, "I was like, oh, the new Bionicle sets." And it was just like a list of them. One was like, "Oh, this is Makuta." I'm like, "What? Oh, the bad guy of the whole series? Oh, that's what he looks like." Okay. So yeah, it's actually it's a cool design. I like how he looks. How much did he cost? It's like twenty bucks. Jesus. Yeah.
2: Back then, two thousand one money.
1: It was a lot.
2: That's what you get. Money back. I'm. Now you're gonna need all your.
1: So, Jacob, oh. are you going to use your next stimulus chuck to buy all the bionicles? You say that like I probably don't have them all in my parents' basement. <laughs> have them uh, sent Onewa, you're really the buzzkill here.
0: By the way, I'm just imagining now, Jacob, if you ever get them out here, you're just going to have them, like, dumped on you, and it will be, like, in slow motion, like that scene from American Beauty. You know, the one, <laughs> so, the one with the, the shopping roses. bag. Yes.
1: Um... I think it's very disappointing in this that the big final battle is just like a, a glorified hockey match <laughs> between the Toa of Light and Colonel Kurtz over there. <laughs> well, um, I remember
0: what was it? You or like my? We were watching this, and my roommate was there. One, it was either you or Joe. Um, Asked like, "Is this gonna come back later in the movie? Like with this extended hockey match at the beginning? It's like, is that is that gonna come back later on?" I
1: had to shut my mouth. Did, did he? If I <laughs> must no, have had to say, shut uh, my okay. mouth because I yeah, that's like it's kind of like a joke amongst like you know, people have seen this movie. It's like oh, the big final battle is just like a hockey match.
2: Yeah,
1: oh, again, <laughs> and then he just like kind of like. He he comes in all determined. Oh, I'm gonna beat him. And then everybody comes down. He's just like, oh, he's overpowered me. It's like, what do you mean? You scored like I, I, three goals. It what? takes away the. Threat. It's like yeah. Jacob,
2: again, like when we are in college, we're on the bus. This really intimidating guy was like trying to ask us for like a pen and pencil. We had no, or a pen and paper. We had no idea what the fuck he was trying to to get. At. He was kind of intimidating. And then we finally gave it to him. And then we take out the pen and paper, and he says, "Okay, now six letters."
1: That <laughs> was that was maybe the most terrifying experience i've ever had he when the guy was like man. trying to force me to play hangman guy on the, on the bus. back
2: of the bus wanted to play hangman with us in a week. Um, I gonna hang you. basically you what jake
1: what jake is saying is that the stakes at the end of the culmination of the three years of bionicle were exactly the same as they were on the bus for us <laughs> that day um but Makua, here, Makua doesn't even want,
2: like, to take over the world. He's it's, like, I just want to play with someone. I'm just so lonely. It's like, that's a
1: good... Sorry. What
2: were you saying? It's almost like an Austin Powers gag, where, like, Austin Powers confronts Dr. Evil, and then they, they play bingo or something. <laughs> well, no, that's... But here's that's a, how with Bill and Ted's you know this adventure at ad, Oh, you right.
1: This is a good segue into discussing what the filmmakers might have thought of Bionicle, because here is, like, a strange moment where Makuta suddenly stands up and says he's going to protect Mata Nui from them. And this never really, like, comes up. Yeah, he sleep spares them pain, but awake he suffers. And so watching this, I I never really thought about this. I think there was, like, a Bionicle YouTube channel that brought it up called The Three Virtues. So I'm just saying that so it doesn't sound like I stole the idea. But even as a kid, I thought this was weird. Like, it makes it seem like there's going to be a bigger revelation. Like, oh, is, like, awakening matanui actually bad is makuta protecting them from something but then like it just kind of doesn't go anywhere and so it makes me wonder if there was like more motive involved there or the filmmakers had a different interpretation of makuta where he saw this more as like some duty he was forced to do because he's very forlorn throughout this movie and he's not very maniacal he doesn't love being evil but i don't know and then he just falls in the the, the pool and they you know they just awaken them
0: it, it just, this looks like the unicorn blood from like the first Harry Potter movie just like a, like a pool of like mercury that they just fell into like silver mercury what
1: do you want me to explain what that actually is you're gonna do it regardless if I agree to it or not so just yeah sure why not I mean I actually wasn't gonna but no, yeah, okay. it's so a, a mutinogen in the bionicle universe called energized protodermis and... that sounds like a skin condition like, that sounds like a, it's in the same family as psoriasis <laughs> and it causes them it, it mutates you if you're destined to mutate and otherwise it just kills you oh I forgot about this entire ending again even though we
0: watched this lesson four we're recording this Sunday afternoon we watched this Friday evening and I forgot about this
1: ending well again like it's like oh things are really amping up here and then just yeah, he just brings Jala back to life dies and then uh, Takua comes back to life
2: Yeah.
1: And he opens the big gateway to next year's storyline. But I like that the movie leaves it ambiguous enough that you don't realize that. What's the next year's storyline? So basically what happens at the end of this movie is he just like they make it look like they awaken the great spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the storyline that's not what actually happens. It's he opens this big gate and it leads them to a new location called Metronui, which is this giant futuristic city that's been abandoned for thousands of years. And basically, the plot of the next movie, it's a prequel, and you find out that the Matoran all used to live in the city when the Great Spirit was awake. Yeah. And something happened that caused them to have to evacuate to the island when the Great Spirit uh, fell into a coma. Okay. And they all forgot about it, and it's about what happened with that. Okay. Yeah, He's back. Uh, no,
0: I also brought up a good point that his body wasn't there, so there's in theory somewhere <laughs> his,
1: his corpse. Like, oh, what are we going to do for, with this? Eh, just use, spare, use it for spare parts. Jella hangs it up on it, it's Jell's <laughs> made a rug out of it now in his house. <laughs> a rug out of his, his own dead body.
0: <laughs> I'm an immortal being now. I know
1: what the other side looks like.
0: I've seen things that will keep me awake forever.
1: It's all right. He'll be back in about 30 seconds. 45 seconds. <laughs> you know, one thing I want to mention cuz the subtitles just said dramatic music plays. This movie has a actually shockingly good score.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and the composer Nathan First actually went on to have a pretty substantial Hollywood career. He did like uh Act of Valor, he did Need for Speed. Um and he actually posted the soundtracks to all these movies on Spotify because uh, he's proud of the official them. official soundtrack probably, right? Yeah, yeah, he just posted them himself. So you can listen to the soundtrack to these movies. That's like there. something
0: that's like always so disappointing like when an official soundtrack is not released or something that's got like really good music. It's like the Charlie Brown specials. They've never released like the official music from like the original music. Like it has to be recreation. So like the only time you can hear the original recordings you have to hear the dialogue over it. So it's nice of him that he preserved this
1: you can you can listen to those right well so you can find he, them
0: but it's like recreations so it's not like the original so it's wow covers,
1: yeah i'm shocked and then i, I guess like that.
0: whatever network did him like has long since so lost them or just keeps choosing not to release them
1: yeah so here's where you can this is like yeah here you take this ending as they just awaken the great spirit but if you really watch like this light goes and it illuminates like some other island Lego island it's the city of Metronui. See, so it's done. It's I actually appreciate it's done ambiguously enough that it doesn't it doesn't seem like a sequel setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It just make it seem like that they woke the Great Spirit. They didn't though. So,
2: oh, cool. Wow.
0: Again, I, I would have paid any amount of money if you see it just flies over and it's Lego
1: Island and like
0: Pepper is the new
1: god. <sighs> I really <laughs> like Lego Island, but <laughs> you know what makes me think of. I guess originally they wanted to have this movie. One of the original ideas pitched was about a kid getting sucked into the bionicle world. Oh god, that would have been awful. Yeah. Oh god,
2: that's like that's like such like the studio.
1: Yeah, exactly. The like, studio version of it. Maybe that was the Miramax pitch. I, that I, was, can, I definitely think that was probably. It well that's yeah. like what that
0: show captain N, the game master was it's was like hey would you rather watch all your favorite characters as the stars or a kid as a star interacting
1: with them you know what that's a good way to sum things up now that we're on the credits because something like captain n or those shows people look back at those through very rose tinted glasses i believe where the shows are like fun to watch in a corny way but it's like you kind of have to pick out things that are occasionally good in them whereas the whole is like Pretty chintzy and corny. Uh, Something like this, you know, it's got flaws, but you can really, you can grade it as, like, sort of a real story being told. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, a a level of attention to the animation and to the quality of the writing that is present throughout all, you know, 10 years of that original Bionicle line. Yeah. And again, as someone who literally, up until,
0: like, 48 hours ago, had never seen any of this, like, this, I thought this was a good movie. Now
1: am I going to, like, sit down and watch it next week? No, I will not. But that's because you're going to sit down and watch the second one with us so we can do that next week. <laughs> yes. No, but like, this is a
0: definitely like, uh, like, okay, if down the line when I, when I have kids and they're like, oh, we want to watch like something. I'm like, if I want to be like, okay, here's a movie that's like actually well thought out more or less, you know, has some flaws, but is better than, you know, it had any right to be, then yeah, I'll definitely put this on. That's my seal of approval. It's a good kids movie that I enjoyed as an adult with literally zero nostalgia for it. I'm still confused
2: by much of it. Same, but I enjoyed it. I feel like an old man watching
1: this. Well, I would say for all zero of you that want to learn more about bionicle, if you really Either are curious, to like bionicle. well no, if you're if you're curious to find out, like hunt down the old books which they're hard. You, know, you can't find them in bookstores now, but like you can get them online for like a dollar each, basically. So really? You want to get like 20 Bionicle books, you're going to spend like 20 bucks. Yeah. And um, just like read the books and you'll get it. It's, it's pretty straight. The stories they tell are pretty straightforward, but they build a very big world that it's easy to get sucked into. Um, and that's how I would recommend it to all, none of the people that are interested in this. Okay, so you
2: have to read 20 books to understand it. <laughs> But they're yeah, cool. Well, it's now, like so it's like a damn brown. Punch.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's um, well, because it's like it's one of those things where it's almost like daunting, you know? Like when you get these big sort of franchises with all these different things and um, like story elements that you have to get into, like comics and movies and all of that. It's like where do you start? And I just you know, I just tell people just read the books and like if you like them, then go find more stuff. You'll exactly. you'll know where to go from there. So Jacob, have you read all the books? Um, I probably, I think I've missed a couple. It's okay. the, the last two years, I, I don't know as much about those because I was, I had outgrown it at that point, but, um, I like, I've read most of them. Yeah, because I'm looking at all the, all the ones listed here, it's quite a bit.
2: Yeah,
0: well, and it goes back to what I was saying of, it is yeah. one downfall was, you know, putting a lot of stuff out there that you had to track down and all that, but you know, if you can track it down and it and you are enjoy enjoyed this, yeah, you know, that's gonna be a you know heck of a fun afternoon or so it takes you to read a bunch of kids' books, but you know, it's a good thing that you might enjoy and you know you'll be able to really you know be impressed, I guess, by like the amount of insight and um, you know effort they put in.
1: Yeah, it's just some interesting stuff. I guess, especially as they went on, they let the writer just have kind of uh, freedom to do whatever he wanted. And so, the main, you know, the main books that dealt with the main story, those are pretty straightforward. They would do like adaptations in the movies, but then the side books, those actually got pretty interesting with some of the the tangents they went on and stuff they developed. Yeah. So, uh, well,
0: we're starting to wrap up. So we hope you all enjoyed "Throw Jacob a Bone, Part
1: One." We will eventually do more. Uh, Thank look, you, forward to, look forward to part two in the year 2024. We'll do more before then. And Thank then, you for yeah. attempting to explain this to us.
0: <laughs> Again, explain to the two elderly grandpas who are like, I don't understand this.
1: Who's Taco Lake? I've, I've always enjoyed the Bionicle story and it's nice to be able to, uh, to talk about it. It's, it's a nice, like, break because you know we're we're, it's different no for sure it's something different to talk about you know yeah i
2: mean 70 minutes
1: (laughs) yeah hey (laughs) you're not
2: it's now the fourth shortest commentary we've done (coughs) really oh yeah i guess you're right yeah
0: spider-man i clocked it at like an hour and seven minutes
1: okay which ones did we do that were shorter than that
0: i think wolfman and then the two Scooby Doo movies I <laughs> think Jesus around the Jesus Christ, line.
2: the wolfman is shorter than Bionicle. Bob <clears> Mask <throat> of Light. Around there. That's amazing.
1: Alright, well, good night, everybody. Take care. This is the last time you'll ever hear me speak with excitement in my voice ever again. <laughs> good night.